I know some of you have asked about Pastor Lynn. He was on vacation this week and is headed home today. And uh, he was on a cruise to Cuba. It was not the best week for him to be in that part of the world, but he is fine. <laughs> Just so you know, we, we've heard that he is coming home and he's fine. Um, when he was planning to go, we were talking about the preaching schedule and I realized that this would be kicking off the stewardship campaign and he wouldn't be here. And I said, you do realize that means I have to preach that Sunday. And, and I said it with big eyes. <laughs> and he said, I trust you. So armed with Lynn's trust, I still think a word of prayer before I begin might be a good idea. So will you pray with me? God, may the words from my mouth and the meditation on all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. When you first begin to hang around church communities, you realize that there's a language, much like the tongues that are in our congregation today, and and they sound a bit like these tongues that we're experiencing this morning. When you're first hearing these words, you don't understand them, you know, and you think, what are these people talking about? It's like you have to learn a new language. And I think one of the terms that's so difficult is stewardship month. If you haven't been in a church environment, stewardship can seem like a mystery. So I asked a few of you, I just wanted to see what people's impressions of Stewardship Month were. And here are some of the more interesting responses I got. Stewardship. That's the time when you kind of, sort of, indirectly ask for money, but not quite, to run the church. And stewardship, that's the month I take off from attending church because you all make me feel guilty. (laughs) And of course, there were the stewardship, yeah, I've heard that term, but I don't really understand what it is. So as I heard these replies, I thought to myself, I don't think Pastor Lynn and I have been very good teachers of what stewardship is. (sighs) See, in my eyes, stewardship month is about celebrating all the gifts that we have used, that you have given to this church in the last year, that have made us be able to expand our ministries. So that's one of the first things to do, is just to celebrate. The second thing is to dream. And when I say dream, I mean dream big about what this church could do in the coming year. How do we want to grow? Where do we want to be next year? A year from right now, what do we want to be celebrating? What lives will we transform? And finally, and I think this is the third step, it's figuring out what gifts we're all called to be able to contribute to that dream. Because if all we're doing is focusing on check writing and budget fulfillment, I don't think we're any different than the man in our scripture today. The man who Jesus encounters, he wants a list. A list that he can work through and check off as he completes each item. No murders? Check. No adultery? Check. No stealing or lying? Check, check. Honor my parents? Check. Love my neighbor? Check. Done and done. Simple, right? And I personally, I love lists. I make them all the time. They keep me focused. They keep me organized. They're so easy and straightforward. But this, this guy was using his list so he wouldn't miss out on eternal life. 
He was trying to use a list to be more spiritual. But I think a list all by itself, it doesn't transform anything. I mean, the actions that this guy has on his list, they're very good. And our Jewish brothers and sisters follow all of them in a very spiritual way. But if you just look at it as a list itself, it's not going to work. He's walking through them, checking them off, and they've completely lost their power to transform him. What more must I do to draw closer to God, he asks. And I think maybe this is where we've slipped up, where stewardship and our approach to stewardship has become a lot like this man's approach to eternal life. It's become very transactional. Here's our budget. Here are our pledges. Do the bottom lines match up? Nope. So what are we going to cut? And I think that this approach to stewardship may be taking the transformational power away from it. Just curious by a show of hands, have any of you ever heard of or participated in a no-hassle fundraiser? You heard of those? Some of you. They were becoming more popular as my kids were aging out of school fundraisers. So I don't think I've ever participated in one, but I've seen them. And I think basically what schools try to do, they're usually in schools, is to convince parents, if you contribute by just writing a check, we won't ask you to sell wrapping paper door-to-door or candles door-to-door, and we won't ask you to do a bake sale or hold a car wash. And so it's a great way for schools to bridge that funding gap they have. And it also tells parents, we're going to give you back some of your time, which I know parents treasure. And then on the surface, it seems like a win-win situation. But I think we're missing a part of that plan. Because fundraising loses some of its transformational power when we approach it like that. And I'm sure you're thinking, Lisa, there is no transformation in me walking my neighborhood in 100-degree heat so my kids can sell wrapping paper. What are you talking about? But when you don't walk door-to-door and you don't interact with your neighbor, you lose face-to-face time with them. You lose having that conversation and finding out how their elderly parent who just went into hospice is doing. And you lose the time to find out how their child is doing in college. And you lose that conversation where you say, hey, how did that test result come? Are you okay? I think you literally lose the power to be, to love your neighbor. And when you don't hold a bake sale and stand by another parent selling crumbly cookies to the kids, you miss out on a chance to interact with a, a parent, an adult, whose child is interacting with yours. And who knows? You lose that chance. Your child may be in that person's car the next time there's a field trip at school. And sometime down the road, your child may be choosing to hang out at that youth's house with that adult watching them, and you've lost that contact. As I was talking to some of the other staff here who have been here for a while, like we have, (laughs) um, we were bringing up the Christmas Bazaar. 
Does anybody remember the Christmas bazaar that the preschool held? Yeah. Claudia Woods was one of the major organizers. And the Christmas bazaar, if you hadn't heard of it, it was set up in the gym. The gym was full of people selling beautiful crafts that were handmade. And there was also a cafe where you could get lunch. And Claudia used to tell me that Westlake at one point was a polling site. Does anybody remember that when we were an election site? Some of you are nodding. And so people would come to vote and then they would go to the cafe and have lunch. And it was this great draw from our community where people from Westlake were, were coming into this church. They had to find the parking lot in order to vote. It was great. But we don't have that anymore. And I'm not saying that we should go back and do the bazaar. Nobody, nobody hear me saying that. I'm sure there are some hearts that are pounding out there. It was a Herculean task, and I don't think without Claudia we could do it. But our preschool has moved to a no-hassle fundraiser. And I think that there's a loss when that happens and that we need to acknowledge it and think about how are we going to compensate for it. I think this young man who encounters Jesus, he is looking for a no-hassle fundraiser so he can have eternal life. And Mark's version of this story, I really like it because he says, just as Jesus is about to tell him that there's no option for a no-hassle fundraiser, the text reads this. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor. Jesus knew this man and he loved him. And I think that Jesus is trying to offer him the opportunity to be transformed. The opportunity to engage in something that will bring him closer into a deeper relationship with God. So he said, get rid of your list. Get rid of your money and get rid of your transactional understanding of eternal life. And I have to tell you, the church was not, is not, and never will be a no-hassle fundraiser. And honestly, you wouldn't want it to be. We need our members to be all in, to pledge, to show up, to roll up sleeves and get hands dirty. And the thing is, is when you do that, you never regret it. You will transform the lives of other people, and your own will be transformed as well. The stewardship this t- team this year has a theme for the campaign. It's called Defying Gravity, which is what the cover of your bulletin shows. And it's based upon a book that's the same title by Tom Berlin. It's right here. And the whole point of the book and the campaign is to help us figure out how to get rid of the things that weigh our lives down and make us have a sluggish commitment to God. The campaign promotes adopting practices that are transformative. The Bridges Sunday School class that meets in the library right on the other side of this wall will be studying this book all month along with the sermon series that Pastor Lynn and I will be preaching. And they invite anybody to come in and join them over the next month so that you can read this book along with. Or you could purchase it. It's on Amazon. You can purchase it at home and read along. It's a very easy read. It's not hard. But basically the goal of the stewardship committee this time 
is to help us figure out what's blocking our relationship to God through stewardship. So along with that, they wanted to design some activities that would help us as well. And as you leave worship today, you may have seen coming in that there was a table set up. They've set up a a table so that as you walk out, you can fill a stocking that will be given out on Christmas Day at Salvation Army for anybody who has sought shelter there. And if you choose to do this activity, I ask that you really do it in a spiritual way, not just checking off a list, toothpaste, toothbrush, uh, I can't remember what else, socks are in there. Don't just check off the list, but think about that person who's going to receive it and pray for them. This may be the only wonderful thing they receive on Christmas Day. So approach it as a spiritual discipline. We have a few other activities lined up. On October 22nd, we invite you to bring to church any items that you have, maybe in a cluttered closet or a junk drawer, and we'll get rid of them for you. And they're willing to get rid of some of the hard things. I I listed them before, like paints and cleaners and motor oil, things that are hard to get rid of. So that we'll have people lined up in the parking lot as, and you can wind your way through and, and get rid of those things that you never use. And finally, on October 29th, there'll be a grounds cleanup here at church. You see, the stewardship committee has also realized that often in our busy lives, we sort of forget to clean things up until they're just so overgrown we don't know what to do with them. And our property here at church has become cluttered. And we're told it's a fire hazard. It's certainly hard to see getting in and out of the driveways. And there's just sort of a general sense of an unkept property around here that we want to take care of. So we'll have a chance to also not declutter, not only declutter our lives at home, but also here at church. And all of these activities are designed to prompt us to think about what's preventing us from going deeper in our relationship to God. Maybe, like the man in this story, it's money. And if so, I know the finance committee will happily help you there. Maybe it's just the stuff that we accumulate that we never use. Maybe it's the distraction of all the tasks that we have left undone for too long. But whatever it is, the stewardship committee is committed to helping us figure that out. And I do have one more story to share with you today. It's a story about the author Stephen King. He writes scary horror stories. I can't read them. (laughs) They're too much for me. But King was struck by a car on a rural county road at one point. And the, the person drove off, so he had no help. And he remembers lying in the ditch, waiting for somebody to come and find him. And he said, I had money in my pocket and credit cards in my wallet. But when you're lying in a ditch, broken and bleeding, it doesn't matter. Those things don't matter. They won't help you. So he was in the hospital for several weeks recovering, and he had a lot of time to think about life. And he said he realized that everyone comes into the world naked and broke. Whether you're Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Tom Hanks, or Stephen King, And everybody who came in that way is also going to leave that way, naked and broke. And this is his quote. So you might as well give away as much as you can while you're here. I want you to consider making your life one long gift to others. 
Notice that King doesn't say he doesn't want you to give your money away. He wants to make your life one long gift to others. It's a little bit different than what Jesus was saying in this passage. Jesus was talking to one person. And I know that Pastor Lynn likes to tell you about the Greek and how it says y'all when it's talking to multiple people. But in, in this passage, the Greek is really clear. He's talking to one person. It's a singular verb. And I think what King gets is that while some of us have money to give and money that gets in our way, there are other gifts that we might share too. When we join the Methodist Church, as you all know, we join it and we pledge to share our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. And depending on what season of our life we are in, we have, may have more to give in some of those areas than others. And more importantly, God may be calling us to share in those different areas more than others. So the thing that we're invited to ponder this month, if we encounter Jesus, what would he be asking us to give away in this upcoming year to support the ministries of this church? What combination of these five vows could we give? What would draw us closer to God? And if there's one thing to take away from this sermon, I hope it's this. The church is not a no-hassle fundraiser. It is our intention to fully harass you and to hassle you. I meant hassle, sorry. (laughs) There will be no harassment, only hassling. But I promise that if you prayerfully respond in whatever way God is leading you, I promise you this, that you will transform other lives and your own life will be transformed as well. Amen.